what are you doing now uh, leading up into your political involvement? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why so, I wanted to whisper that, but, you know. Right. <laughs> like, wait, wait, it is secret? no secret at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm here with my friends, plural, uh, as you'll see, of course, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host here, Daniel Fox. And we have a guest with us, uh, Derek Granquist, which we'll introduce to you in just a moment. And uh, he'll be telling you more about uh, himself and his relationship to us as a podcast. And uh, we'll be chewing the fat a little bit with Derek, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. But before we get too much into anything else, we'd like to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. Uh, we were just musing uh, here before the podcast about just the uh, increased number of uh, elite patrons that have jumped on board here in recent days to support the Reason Together podcast. We're just so grateful to all of you yes, uh, who do that and uh, just giving your hard-earned dollars to help support this so we can have editors and uh, folks to kind of help keep things running here. Just so appreciative uh, of that. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Daniel, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Keeping really busy, but uh, having a good time. <laughs> Good. So, yeah. Well, I look, I look forward to the conversation here. I'm going to go ahead and bring Derek in. Yeah. Uh, Derek Granquist, welcome to Reason Together. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Glad to have you. This is, uh, you're, you're no stranger to this podcast. <laughs> um, no, he's not. a listener basically since the beginning, correct? Yes, just about. And Derek, I, okay. I had to uh, catch up on a few episodes by the time I became aware of what was going on. Yeah, but yes. then from early on, I mean, for quite a while, uh, Derek's had skin in the game, and he's really been a help behind the scenes for us as really kind of a, an editor superintendent. He first was the editor and then is sort of uh, watching over as another person learned it, and he's kind of a, a help there and um, and has really invested of himself to to help us. Yes, Derek is now our quality control guy. There you go. Um, that's, that's what I call him. So yeah. before any of these episodes go out to the public, it is is Derek's ears that preview this first. He's the first guy that gets the the, the just the uh, the cold run of this podcast. And if there's any changes that need to be made, um, as far as just uh, the audio quality or or technique that was used, he gets in touch with our editor. And they tweak things together, and that's when it gets approved to go out. He gives the final thumbs up, uh, so it's good. The to official nitpicker, the official the, nitpicker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you may, you may not have quality control over the substance. You know, if we're just getting into some goofy conversation, at yes. the, unless you can edit out, you know, hack out big parts of the episode. But well, th there is a reason that this relationship came together, and that's because. Uh, I'm aware that Derek is a gifted nitpicker in a good way. Um, <laughs> I'm aware of this because uh, uh, Derek and I go back some ways and uh, he and <laughs> he, he and I uh, became friends. Uh, this would have been in the early 2000s, oh, probably 2001, 2002. Yeah. And uh, uh, we kind of became, we kind of realized, I think in many ways we're cut from the same cloth. 
Um, <laughs> they met and, at the uh, national nitpicking competition and they were both ranking high. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was. Well, unfortunately at the competition, no conclusion could be derived because the judges continuously nitpicked the results. Yes. Um, but, uh, anyway, all that to say, Derek and I were in college together for a little while and, um, we worked on his dad's church bus together and that's when we became friends and, um, we've kept Speaking in touch church, over the years. Speaking of a church bus, do you at all remember the sermon in a lunchbox? Oh, yes. Is this bringing I, back a memory? It, it's, oh, wow. That just sermon and lunchbox. Man, last, just episode, last episode, you guys were talking about. Bible reading and how much or little and all that. Yes. And this yeah. was the first thing, one of the things that popped in my mind was the saying that we would do on the bus with our sermon and lunchbox. And so with the kids, we would say, you know, what time is it? Time for a sermon and lunchbox. Do you remember this? What comes yes. in a lunchbox? Food. What comes in our lunchbox? Spiritual food. What is spiritual food? The Bible. What does the Bible tell us? how to live. And then we would go into the, go into the lesson. Wow. And the, the point of all that was to, to equate reading the Bible with eating. Hmm. Sometimes you take a snack. Wow. Sometimes you eat a seven course meal. You might go out to eat. You might uh, wolf something down real quick because you got to get a job done. You know, it was kind of that relationship of the Bible is our spiritual food. Wow. And yeah. we need to kind of treat it that way. Yeah. Wow. That just flooded back so many memories into my <laughs> mind hearing you say that. Those were some of the, the best memories I have back then because being with Derek and his brothers and his dad on that bus, it was like, in, I don't want to oversell it, but it was almost like being with family because mm -hmm. there was a kindred way of thinking. And, um, we were, we were reasoning together before it was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> Before um, there was a t-shirt for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, so it's good to have you on here. And um, um, you, why don't you take a few minutes to just tell our listeners sort of uh, where, where you are and what, you, what you're doing and uh, just kind of how you got here. I will do my best to make that brief. Uh, we are in Wisconsin. The Lord's moved us here uh, recently with about a uh, year and a half, two years ago now. Um, before that, we were in Colorado for about 10 years. God had us there. And then before that, we were in Utah for about five years. And then before that, I grew up in Indiana. Wow. And um, so we got married in 2004, my wife and I. And then about three years later in 2007, God directed us to move out to Salt Lake City, Utah, to Anger Baptist Church out there, and uh, not as full-time, but just as members to work and, and do what God would have us to do. And so we were there for about five years, and then God, again, began to move some things and moved us to Colorado. And it was kind of one of those sad things to leave friends and family and people there in Utah, but this is where God wanted us to move. And we moved to Colorado and began to build our life there and... Mm -hmm started a business, multiple businesses, and got involved in different things, and uh, very, very involved in our church at the end there, towards the latter years. Um, I was the music director. My wife played the piano. We helped our pastor a lot in various avenues. Um, I was on the town board of our, of our uh, township there. Go ahead. 
So when you were in Utah, you were assisting a church there, but you said you were not vocationally in ministry? Uh, yeah, right? up, up to up to this day, I'm not ever, I've never been vocationally, you know, full-time. And I, mm -hmm. I always put that word in quotes because I, yes. I think we've, you've talked about that already, but right. Um, God has used us in each of these churches in different instrumental yeah. ways. At Anchor, it was in a technical way. And then also I had a construction business. And so I remodeled bathrooms and did a bunch of stuff that was needed to be done there. And then God used us in a different way, similar ways, but different ways in, in the church yeah. in Colorado. And it was very hard leaving there as well to move here. And there was often, you know, a couple of times of questioning, is this right, Lord? Because it just hmm. seemed like we were... We were going full steam there and had so many things that were strong. And then now, as we've been here for almost two years now, I can start, I could just start to look back and see how God has, you know, used us being here specifically and why he brought us here. Yeah. So now you say, at least while you were in Colorado, you supported yourself with multiple businesses. And then in Utah, mm -hmm. you said you did construction as well. Um, now, now you, you um, went to school for, engineering right electrical engineering yes electrical engineering so you've been able to employ that to support yourself as well yes yep and so i i um, i don't have a school issued degree um, what i have is what they call a practical degree um, so i went to school for about three and a half years and then there's a there's an elongated story there but the basically i've between having my own business and the, the occupations of things that I've done along the way. Um, actually at one of my employers there at Leprino, I earned more than the guy that was, that had the, the college degree and all that, because I had, I had actually done work. I had done things that I could say here, you know, here's my body of work yeah. and the things that I can do. And that, that was more valuable to them than a piece of paper on a wall. And that's interesting you say that. I've known multiple people who have uh, either been in engineers or engineering adjacent um, and uh, or worked in the building trades sort of surrounding that 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 field. And it's one of the few remaining uh, vocations um, in America, it seems, where where really uh, your skill level still matters rather than a piece of paper that you can hang on the wall. Um, a lot, a lot of fields still just require the piece of paper, no matter what your skill level is. Um, and, uh, I've seen it very merit based, uh, with a lot of the friends that I know who do similar things to what you do. Um, so, so you've been able to support yourself with a variety of means, uh, industry, we might say while you've been serving, at the various churches that you've been in, wherever you've lived, um, why why would you say it's why would you say your involvement has been so heavy uh, in those places? You sound like you're very involved. Uh, can you explain your reasoning for that? Yeah, and I think it's some of it has developed over time of of being there. Um, you know, it's 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 always a challenge to to find good people that will work and that will do the job and not not want anything in return or to kind of work through that and i, I don't mean that in any kind of aggrandizing way but mm -hmm. it's just you know just being there and being faithful and just do what you're asked and be willing to help um it, it seems like is is becoming more and more of a of a dearth but 
I've I've seen glimpses of hope, at least of late. Um, you, you know, you talk about the the change and and whether it's construction or even even in some scholastic engineering type realms, if you walk up and you have five years of, of experience behind you, you're more valuable than the guy, even if you don't have a degree, than someone who has a degree but hasn't held a job or hasn't done much. And that's where I think we're seeing a, a bit of a, of a tipping point. Uh, a lot of this blue-collar work, if you will, is is building up steam because there's people aren't wanting to, to just – work and and do the job that needs to be done they want to they want something that's prestigious yeah so so not to uh again not to overstate things but i i I don't think there's a lot of folks that that are out there these days that really place the necessary value on the full-time ministry of being a good church member right and to, to me that's you know we talk about uh, we, we can talk all day about, you know, unreached people groups and what that means and everything, mm-hmm. but uh, there is a dearth of really good quality church members uh, in the pews who are willing to jump in and, and do things where, where they are uh, and use their, their spiritual gifts uh, to serve where God has placed them. Um, and, and I, I've appreciated that about you, that where you are, you get involved. <clears throat> um, I think that's a blessing. And I know that, uh, pastors certainly appreciate that. I, I think we also are kind of in this age of late of experts, the age of the expert, and yeah. we tend to niche everybody, you know, like, you know, this guy is a policeman, this guy is a doctor, this guy is a pastor, this guy is a mechanic. And, you know, as you guys have, we've said multiple times in the pop, podcast, you know, it's, it, it God doesn't, he, he calls to more than just that. Like, you know, yeah. we're not siloed, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm to be a good testimony as an engineer. I'm to be a good testimony at my church. I'm going to be involved yep. there. I shouldn't know less than the pastor because I'm a layman. I should be just as studied. And I think every, every layman should be just as studied or right. attempt to be. Yes, the pastor has more time privileged, mm-hmm. um, potentially. Some pastors like yourself, you know, work, maybe some are, uh, fully employed there at the church, but either way, mm-hmm. my my responsibility is no less than that. Yeah, that I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so there oh there was a thought on my mind as you were talking, and now it's eluded me. As much as I'd want to agree, I've thought about that that balance there on as being as studied as the pastor. You know, I would in some ways I would want to to drive for that, and yet I guess like you said, you did throw in the balance of saying he has more. He has more time and resources to some degree because because of people like you who support him, you know, and enable him to mm-hmm. to spend hours a week to do that. Um, you know, I guess a preacher has to keep in mind that um, you know at least to have understand and have have a reasonable under, expectation of his people that while he wants them diving in more than they are and really digging and uh, demonstrating an intensity, yet they're not um, necessarily going to have the time he will. Uh, yeah, yeah. To do that, well, and uh, you know, and the problem is, is so many uh, start feeding the activities monster, um, <laughs> and pastors yeah. end up being more activities directors than they are actually pastors. And, yeah. Well, 
it's unbelievable how much time that eats into a pastor's work week when I would rather the guy just be able to really devote himself to the ministry of the word and prayer. And, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of folks may not be able to sit in the pew and really tell whether he's really studied that hard all week, but there are some folks that sit in the pew and they can tell something has occupied his time this week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there's some things that he's saying that maybe they're not, you know, heretical or theologically incorrect. It's like, you can tell, boy, if he would have just had another hour to look that over, it would have gone different. (laughs) Um, That'd be one of my fears or concerns in ministry is uh, recognizing that there's that constant deadline, you know, multiple times a week to stand in front of people and give them something that means something that demonstrates that I've studied this and I'm not just shooting from the hip. I'm, you know what I mean? That I'm, I'm giving you something that's well-reasoned. It's an accurate representation. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And what, you know, just a thought before we move on is that, you, you know, you playing on that. If people in the pew were students though, I mean, we're, we're saying, I want to know the scripture. Wouldn't uh, our quote unquote programs take a different spin? We could take a different angle on the philosophy of ministry instead of just, I be an activities director and you be involved in all the activities, you know, so that as a small church, we've got things going four nights a week or whatever. Instead, we all just know the Lord better and then emanate that in our spheres of influence, you know what I mean? To where we're just productive people spiritually in our lives, not through a program or through an activity, um, but just because of our interaction. um, That that sounds really interesting, kind of foreign to what we know, but more uh, biblically ideal for sure. Yeah, good. Um, So so coming back to Colorado, when you were involved in the church there, you were working there, a variety of different things you were doing. Um, you, you just real quick, tell, tell the listeners what businesses you started there. So when I, when I first moved there, I worked for a nonprofit doing a bunch of data work and which was kind of a, a change in gears. I had done some of this before, but when I was in Utah, I didn't, there wasn't any, any of that work readily available. So I had started a construction business and I did remodels, uh, actually built cabins for a camp. I, you know, did kitchen, finished carpentry and then pretty much anything general. So then when I went to, when God opened up the door to Colorado, it was kind of a, a gear shift. I kept all my tools, but, um, I started doing data work for a nonprofit and then developed that and some networking and some different things. And then through that, God opened a door to um, a company, uh, Laprino Foods down in Denver. And I worked for them for a number of years, developing some monitoring systems, some software that monitored their automation stuff and automation being PLCs and all that. Go ahead. So, so maybe for the sake of the listeners, you're talking about a plant where food was mass produced or packaged in some way. And those actually nine plants across the country. Nine plants. Okay. So I'm picturing things moving by on conveyors, on rollers, down chutes that are made of stainless steel, all sorts of things. And you're talking about equipment that monitors in some way, like lasers, infrared, things that are passing uh, by. Is that no, what you're talking so about? The stuff, the stuff that I developed was, or I was on a team, a development team, and we monitored the, what they call the control systems, the PLCs and the, we're, I'm going to try not to get too deep on here, but no, go ahead. The, go ahead. The controls and the SCADA systems that would control those systems, those would have fail points. You know, let's say 
you've got a, a VFD, which is a variable frequency drive, and mm-hmm. that begins to pull more amps. Well, if it starts to pull more amps, that's a sign of fatigue yep. or, you know, things like that. Or if you've got um, like a, uh, we have engines in, in what a thing called Wonderware, which is a SCADA system, and these engines would fail over to the redundant server. Well, when it fails over, that's a sign that something went wrong. And so I then see. we would dig into what went wrong, do what's called a root cause analysis, and then cr- developed monitoring systems where we took information, dumped it into a database, and then analyzed that information to find out, you know, what was happening. Was there a trend of some, it, it's very similar in the medical world to monitoring a patient, right? Right. And finding out what is causing this illness. Well, it's the same kind of thing, only in, in the electrons and yeah. Neutron, you so know. you're you're you were essentially a diagnostician evaluating for where the wear and tear was happening on the equipment. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that makes sense. In that particular realm. And then what happened was I was developing that, working in the automation stuff, and it was really intriguing to me the automation. I loved the logic, um, being a very uh detailed guy, I guess. I, I love mm-hmm. the logic of it. And so I started diving into that. I went into classes and different stuff. And then there ended up being, I was driving an hour to work every day. By the logic you're home. talking about, by the logic you're talking about coding some of this software? Yeah. PLCs, which is program logic control. <laughs> and the PLC is, uh, if you think of your thermostat, you know, it's a, it's a mini PLC in a way. It's has a target temperature and it turns on blowers and heaters and coolers and different things based on the conditions. Well, a PLC is that times a thousand. Um, Interesting. But it's, it's very logical and there's, there's like step by steps and analysis and go ahead. Interesting. Very, very neat. I'm sure some of our listeners are probably geeking out really hard on that right now. Um, and some, some are probably like, what are they talking yeah. about? What's, um, what's neat, what's evident though, is that you're obviously a thinking guy and you're willing to try new things to dive in and learn. And uh, as Tom's talked about before, and I feel blessed to know people like this, is a skill collector um, that you don't that you don't feel pigeonholed. Um, you you, you'll do a renaissance things, man. <laughs> you'll do things as varied as construction to, you know, data, working in data to now um, having, you know, businesses with, uh, you know, um, with, with your wife, with embroidery and things like that. I mean, you're just, you're just got your fingers in yeah. a number of things. And so you got to have all these skills and you can move a lot of different directions. It provides a lot of freedom. It's really interesting. really neat. Yeah. My dad always taught us and you, you might remember this time. Maybe I don't, but uh, he said, he said, you can hate school, but you always love learning. Hmm. Um, that was, that was kind of the lesson is mm-hmm. that, and, and he was a student for life, but you would be, yep. you would be surprised at yeah. the stuff, you know, the, the schools that he went through and how he yeah. self-taught that kind of thing. There's a lot of stuff that yep. like, I never went to school for database and never went to school for, right. you know, doing all of this. I just got books, yeah. learned how to do it, did it, practiced it, and then developed it. Yeah. Well, Derek's Derek, your dad, you probably remember this, and I don't know how you felt about it at the time, um, but your your dad was the biology teacher, um, hmm. and there was sort of a reputation that the class had <laughs> that most people found it boring. But I remember latching on to your dad in some ways, not immediately in the biology class, but I remember I didn't find it all that boring, and then when I ended up being on your family's bus, 
I loved it. It was different than any other bus that they had at the place. It was unique. It was a place of reasoning and learning and a good spirit. And that was largely due to your dad and how he led that ministry. And I think I've even talked about that on the podcast before, uh, about how that in many ways affected my future. Um, and, and again, I don't want to overstate it, but you know, things build up over time and they affect mm-hmm. your future in certain ways. And that, that put a, a flavor of Christian thinking in my mind that I think helped stick. It, it, it gave me a desire to reason more and, and really I think that is in many ways one of your dad's goals there is to teach folks to reason more, to keep reasoning and thinking through things. Um, can we, can we do you, switch? Do you have something? Yeah, if we could switch gears here. Um, yeah, I was getting ready to. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and go back to uh, to how Derek ended up now in Wisconsin. But if you have something else you wanted to ask before we get there. so No, I ahead. just wanted to kind of say that the reason we're having Derek on, I feel like, is linked to really just almost a side conversation that we had, um, a, a spontaneous conversation we had on one of our last couple podcasts. And he threw out a couple things. And then he like dropped this bomb of a question, <laughs> which is like, great right. question. And, well, uh, see, and that's why it, it, there's, there's a method to the madness, okay? Okay, I'm asking questions about Derek's background because I think it plays in to how he has formatted his question because he left mm, feedback on the last yeah. episode and I was like, okay, we could either cover this on the episode or I can just have the man on. So, right. Yep. I think it was <laughs> a good choice. <laughs> um, so, you ended up now in Wisconsin. The Lord has led you there. Um, what uh, What are you doing now uh, leading up into your political involvement uh, <laughs> i don't know why so, i wanted to whisper that but you know. right. like it is no secret at this point <laughs> yeah um yeah so I, I would have to take a quick step back and that my political involvement began uh in a formal sense um back in colorado i was on the planning commission um and i think maybe if i back up just a little bit before that it's all through my life, my father has encouraged us to be involved. He was involved and he, we were involved with him, which I think is mm-hmm. an important lesson that, you know, sons tend to uh, learn a lot from that. But um, we went through that and then knowing that Christians need to be in these realms and there's, you know, it's, it's hard to find some that will get involved. I don't know why, if it's, if it's fear, if it's, um, you know, some other repulsion, I don't know. But um, I, I got on the planning commission there in my town. And then after about a year and a half or so, there was an opening on the town board and I ran for office there and won that election. And then I was on the town board there until we moved here. When I came here, I had no intention of getting on the board or doing anything initially. But then when we got here, there was a, a large issue, and I'll not go into that right now, but there's a large uh, issue going on locally, political issue. And I, I got involved in getting signatures and doing things, and the doing turned into, hey, um, would you, and, and this is, you know, people in my community said, well, you, know, you seem to have a lot of knowledge in this, would you help us do this or do that? And, and it kind of got worked those things out where we've learned our community in, mm-hmm. in six months, we've learned so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then to make a long story short, in that time, I was appointed to the board of our town. Then I was at the following election, I was elected to be chair of our board. And then back in July of this year, I was elected to the county to be a representative of the county for our district, District 10. Um, so I'm now a representative to the county representing our people. So it kind of went very quickly. But again, I think it's it just it, it, if you get involved and, you know, I, that's where kind of the question comes in now that we talked about before is this as a Christian, the desire is to be very right and to be firm on things. But when you get into yeah. some of these realms, you find that you have, I think for lack of a better word, allies, people who are on your side in general, maybe they aren't on your side specifically. Um, they might not believe the same way you do. Maybe let's say, for instance, a Catholic, you know, they do the rosary, they do all these things, but they're on your side for pro-life, let's pro -life, say, pretty yeah. easy one, mm -hmm. right? So you find yourself allying with them, but at the same time, I don't agree with them in how they, you know, their, their belief system. Yeah. So it's, go ahead. The, so, so I think the original question in the last episode that Daniel had asked, and forgive me, I don't remember if it was in the main episode in the after show, but either way, we're going to run with it, was he, uh, he had asked what careers do you think are some of the toughest for Christians to be involved in? And I think what we had concluded was uh, one was the medical profession. Another was being a career military, military. Uh, mm -hmm. person. And then the other one that I had mentioned was politics. And um, perhaps, perhaps I didn't communicate it well, cause I, I do agree with your, your feedback. I just didn't say it. it I, I failed to, to think to say it, but, um, you gave, what was the feedback you gave? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, about I had my career politicians you about what? About career politicians. Yeah. I mean, no, I think this more principally that nobody should, should seek office as a career politician, because if you're a career yes. politician, that that's not a, that's that, then you're there for the wrong reason. You know, when I was elected to this job, I was elected with the support of my community and I will do, this is again, the democracy versus Republic conversation, which mm -hmm. is a whole other topic, but mm -hmm. I'm there to represent my constituency but not just simply to do, you know, to take polls every time there's a, you know, they're, they're voting for right. me and they elected me because of my belief system, because of what I stand for, because of my yeah. um, verboseness on issues, whatever it might be. Go ahead. Well, there seems to be a strange thing that happens uh, with many politicians on both sides is that they, they, once they're in office, they, they're so principled, at least whatever their principles might be, they're so strong in their principles that they feel like discontinuing that role of service would just be anathema. And it would be uh, a horrible thing for the public if they no longer were there representing their principles. And I can see why there's the drive to stay in office and even pursue it as a career. Because I think in some cases, maybe more on the conservative side of things, they really do feel like they can do some good from there. But you're saying that the idea of remaining as a career politician is is always bad? Or is there ever 
is there ever a need for someone to stay in that position? So when I say a career politician, I, I think I think we should define that not in a, not as it's not defined by the longevity of a person's occupation in office. Right. But rather, I think of a career politician as one who seeks office for the sake of having the position and power. They're mm-hmm. not there simply to represent. I mean, they, they, they will claim that and you'll and they'll tell you directly that, you know, I'm here to represent. That's how I got elected. Well, that in, in a way it is. But they, they seek the office and they have maybe no skill set or very little skill set outside of seeking political office. And right. That really should be, you know, I am valuable to my community first as a participant, as an involved person in my community. And then through that, the people say, hey, we like you, you, you know, you're, you, you, you do fair business with us. You, you know, you speak the truth, you're honest, you're, you know, whatever it might be. And because of these qualities, we want you to represent us yeah. and you represent them. But at the end of the day, you're not there just simply to represent them. I'm not going to rerun for election just so that I can stay in office. If, if they don't yeah. elect me, then I'm no longer supported and I go about yeah. my life. So a good takeaway for our listeners then would be you can get involved in your local politics and it doesn't mean you're changing careers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can do so on a, a volunteer basis in some cases. I assume there are some positions where there's some sort of stipend for your time or commitment, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't require you to leave your job necessarily. And, right. and maybe maybe that's a barrier for some is that they don't know. You can get involved in local politics and still keep doing everything else you're doing. And I think one of the misconceptions is that you know I have to – to make a real difference, I have to run for, you know, a state position or a federal position, whatever it is. And those mm-hmm. positions are very, you know, part-time plus, you know, I mean, you may have to have a flexible job or even, you know, uh, take a sabbatical from your job to do the position. But there are many local positions that get overlooked and really they mm-hmm. become just as important. And there's issues that are happening on your school board, yep. on your township level, things that are on a local sense that, that often are overlooked yeah. and dismissed. And we just, you know, we, we, we've, we've been conditioned uh, politically to look at the presidency and those, the federal and the state as like the end all be all of politics. And, the county and the locals have have basically become forgotten and yeah. dismissed as meaningless. When in actuality, the yeah. stuff that they're doing—I mean, the, the books that are in your local public school—that public school board approves or denies. I mean, there's yeah. there's powers well, there the, that are just dis- yeah. The small affects the big, and and right. I think I think if folks are willing to get involved in the small level as Christians, um, that does affect things in a big way. It's just not always in an immediate way. Um, and you might feel kind of alone, uh, at the, at the moment. Um, you know, for instance, I've given uh, public testimony before, 
Um, and, and that's, you know, terrifying in its own way because you don't know who in the crowd sort of agrees with the proposition you're supporting and who doesn't, and you don't know what kind of responses there will be, you know, nowadays your mic could get shut off and so on, depending on what you're speaking on, but you could submit written testimony as well. And it's not like a sermon where you're supposed to get up and speak extemporaneously. I mean, you could, if you're comfortable with that, but depending on the time limit they give you, you can write out something to say. You can time it in practice and see how long it takes you to read it and just get up and read it. You know, it's a a lot less nerve wracking that way, but you can do it and don't be afraid to do it. And that goes a long way, especially when many Christians take that on themselves to do. Let me ask, what's the the value of a political science degree? Um, Because honestly, I don't know what, you know, classes they cover, but I just do know by watching uh, politics, you know, say the, the workings of the house or the Senate, there's obviously a, a, a book of rules, you know, how they talk to one another, the time that they're allotted, uh, the way that a a bill is submitted and then this, and then it's passed here. And just the whole order of things, it's like, Whoa, you've got to know a whole new world in order to, um, a new world, new language in order to communicate and, and, uh, and navigate this place. So is that what a political science degree covers? Uh, or, or is that just, again, uh, a degree that's kind of a little bit, um, out there? Well, I guess I would first say that I, I've not gone to a political science course or taken any political science degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I guess I've, I've done it the way I've done many other things is you start small. You know, if I want to learn how to work on engines, I don't tear apart my car. I go buy a mm-hmm. junk lawnmower, pull it apart and figure out, you know, timing and, and pistons and rings and, you know, spark plugs and fuel and carburetors and all that. And then you work up to something bigger, you know, and that's really, I think some people look at this, you know, they look at the, the stairway and not the step, you know, and mm-hmm. I think getting into your local, like uh, whether Tom was saying, is get, whether it's just making a statement. I mean, just start there. Make make statements. Get involved. Mm-hmm. Talk. You know, speak your mind. Because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we, as Christians, and and maybe more broadly as conservatives, we don't want government in our lives, and so then we stay out of government because <laughs> we think it's a mutual. We think it's a mutual agreement, right? right. You stay out of our life and we'll stay out of you. Well, the, the problem is now that many of the, uh, you know, categorical liberal, um, they believe government is the answer. And right. so in that belief, they get heavily involved. And so now you have a government that is quite full of people who believe that government is the answer. More government, more spending, more whatever. And you have a dearth of people who say no you know, we want to preserve our liberties. We should, you know, balance the budget. We should do these basic things because most of those people don't want to be. And I've, I've even heard people recently in, in you know, on other podcasts or even in, in churches, other places, they'll say, you know, well, all those dirty crooks in office and this, that, and they, they kind of, they'll, they'll group all of mm-hmm. those in office. And I get what they're saying. I mean, I understand that what they're meaning, but I, I think because of that, because we've categorically defined them as, as, dirty crooks and whatever Christians don't want to get involved that because it's like going into the right. bar, you know, mm, yeah. I don't want to go to the bar because then I might be identified with one of them. And, yeah. and quite often I'll, I, I would have to say there's this, there's uh, I don't want to say an icky feeling, but there's just like this. I, I do not 
as soon as as soon as I feel comfortable in politics and like you know I've got this, hmm. he that standeth take he lest he fall. You know, hmm. because as soon as you as soon as you feel like you know you've got a handle on it, and I can, I can be the best this person, and I can do that. Uh, I'll say that by God's grace, you know, God will allow me, and I'll, I'll give you an example. In this last election where I won the county, um, we had it ended up being a recall election, and there was another man that was in in the position, and I went door to door knocking and talked to everybody I could get a hold of and said, here's the reasons that, that, you know, I'm running for office and here's what I'm you know, looking to do. And I would appreciate your vote. And we just did that. And then, um, we put up three, we got four by eight sheets of OSB and my wife and I painted those signs on July 3rd and July 4th and put them out three, four by eight signs. This other guy, he sent letters, he sent, you know, uh, mailings to everybody. He had signs all over the district, hmm. um, called in a bunch of people. We did that. And then I had people, oh, you, you got to put the yard signs. I got this. I said, no, we're doing what God led us to do. And we're not going to do anything more. We're just going to pray and let, you know, if God's going to win this, it, it's going to be him that wins this. This is not us. We're not running for it. If this is what God wants for me, then he'll open that, you know, he'll make it happen. And we had a prayer meeting the night before here at our house and, and got to use that. We brought people from our community here to our house and had prayer. I led in prayer. You know, God is using all of this for me to, you know, to share my faith and share. And then through that, we watched God give us the victory. We had a, we, mm -hmm. we won 60 to 40, hmm. which is a wow. pretty tremendous win. And yeah, with three, four by eight sheets of plywood, you know, three, so four God, by eight signs, you know, God can do yeah. it. And he did it. And even at our celebration party or whatever it was, you know, I, I reiterated that this is, this is God's, you know, he wants me there. And when he doesn't, then, then I'll be done. Um, is there, do you think, and without, I don't know if you want to get this detailed, but are there a particular set of principles that you think resonated with the people most that won you their votes? And are those principles in some ways, Christian principles? Um, so I think to answer that question, it kind of begins at a, at a, at a base level of just honesty and not trying to sugarcoat things. I don't, I'm not, you know, like in your face in that sense. Like some people are very, try to be brash and they're mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you need to be safe or you do whatever. No, just be a friend, be there. You know, I've, I've gone over and I help fix something for them or, you know, I, I went and hauled a trailer or I go do, you know, and you just do things with your community members and help them see that, you know, I care about you. And we've heard that, right. You know, you, mm -hmm. they don't want to know how much they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. I mean, it's yeah. pretty trite, mm -hmm. but, it, but at the same time, it, it does mm -hmm. have good meaning and that, you know, as you kind of are involved in your community and they see that you're not just here for fame or glory or money or whatever it is. And that's your principle. And that, you know, I think they see some of those things and there is, some type of identification, I think, even a Christian to Christian. And that where it kind of goes back to the question of they might be a, a Catholic doing the rosary, but they still understand these basic premises of honesty, decency, life, mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's some truth to the statement that if we're unwilling to get involved, even in small ways, that we really lose the right to complain? Yes. I agree. 
Now, this may lead into uh, your question, which is going to have to be in the after show. Uh, we've really been leading up to it. We actually haven't gotten to your um, to, to your full question that you originally asked. But um, but I was wondering when you um, so so as say, someone running for office, is it strictly that you see yourself as this is who I am, this is the principles that I have, the values that I hold. And if you think I represent you, then vote for me. Like I'm going there to be me. And if that represents you, vote for me. Or does the guy, is the guy supposed to go to, if you will, the halls of Congress and say, I'll represent you, just communicate with me. You know, I'll honestly go there and not have my own agenda, but I'll represent you. And so if you call in and express your, you know, angst over a specific issue, I'll listen to you and I'll vote that way. Um, I I see this kind of two different things. So is it, is it more that you are who you are and if they like it, they can send you or that you're simply honest enough to represent what they feel like they want. And so elect me because I'll actually represent you. Um, Hmm. is maybe those aren't mutually exclusive, but what's your thought on that? And then we'll, uh, segue into the uh, after show. What's, what's your take on it, Tom? Um, boy, that's a tough one. And I, I feel more inclined to say, I'll just be me. And if that resonates with your principles, then vote for me. Yeah. So I think the first guy you, you described as a person who's, who's principled, who, who has a set of core values that he represents and, presents to the people, if they vote for him, they're voting on, or her, they're voting on that set of principles. If the second guy who goes in and feels like he wants to represent the people, Mm -hmm. all it takes is a a megaphone to fool him to think that the people are wanting something different. Right. And now he's going to represent that. And that's, I think, a a bigger Mm -hmm. problem. And that really, that defines the career politician that he's just there to keep office and represent the people to whatever right. aspect he thinks they want to be represented. And now essentially you've got people who are voting for a moving target. Yeah. Well, and yeah. if you've displayed your principles, uh, you know, unapologetically and the people do vote for you, you have represented them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they're essentially, uh, I don't want to say, you know, I guess they're, they're trusting you <laughs> that you'll continue to be what they voted for. Yeah, that's where I think most of the disappointment comes from. If we if we really think about those that maybe we've elected in the past, whatever is when you find out that, you know, oh, they they changed positions on this or they softened on that or whatever it might be, and and that's really the the hardest struggle as a Christian yeah. is to is to hold that line, but understanding that we we are we, we live in the world. You know, we we yeah. cannot convert you know or the world will never will never fully convert so we have to live right. among them so th- that's where the 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 saying of choosing your battles or you know those kinds of things you know to what extent do we choose those battles and is that compromise is there a place and a time to compromise um you know i've i've been very firm and and in no compromise you know zero percent so to speak but as I pray and think and I look in the Bible, then I, I, I try to wonder, is there, is there a time when not on it, not on, you know, it's not, we're not compromising on, on pro-life, you know, for instance, but let's say the budget right. 
or let's say something else, can I be principled, but still, okay, I'll, you know, we'll negotiate this. Is there a negotiation, so to speak, or is there room for mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And how does a Christian yeah. handle that? That's not an easy, I don't, there's no forward answer that no, I can. No, there's, no, there's no solid answer. And, and we will have to take it into the after show to kind of bat it around a little yeah. bit. Um, along with the other part of your question, which was about getting involved in the education system, like a school board or something like that. The question is basically, you know, does, does a person who doesn't have children, do do, do they have uh, the impetus or the right to be on the school board in their community? Maybe you're talking about a retired person who doesn't have kids in the school system or someone who, who doesn't have kids yet Um, either way. (laughs) Or who homeschools, yep. should they or could they be on a town school board? I'm going to give you my short answer, and then we'll actually have the reasons why in the after show. I think the answer is 100% yes, they can, um, and uh, and maybe even should be, um, but you'll have to hear the after show for the reasons why. Yeah. Now, dear listener, if you have a thought about this um, or a question uh, regarding this topic of the Christian in politics, please give us your feedback, reason together podcast at gmail.com. And, um, and let me know, uh, send me, send me a quick note. If you're, if you are involved in local politics at all, wherever you're at, I'd like to know that. Um, yep. and that would be, that would be neat to know. But again, any question, even outside of this discussion, something's been rattling around in there and you'd like to hear us banter it, uh, back and forth, please send it our way. Reason together podcast at gmail.com. We're encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together.